Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, alongside the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Frank, it's been a little bit since we caught up and the off-season is in full swing now and I will recommend before we get going here, if you missed Friday's podcast, I caught up with Matt George from Locked On Kings. Who, by the way, Matt's got a, a fantastic radio voice. First of all, I'll say that. But secondly, uh, he gave all the inside info on Bogdanovich and Heald. The Bucks rumored or reported to show some interest in Bogdanovich heading up here uh, in the offseason, and he's going to be a restricted free agent. So kind of interesting to see the Bucks start to get mentioned in, in, in some of these rumors, uh, reports, some of these players. This really isn't something that we've we've dealt with over the last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, Bogdanovich is a guy we've talked about since, I don't know, I feel like since you've been on the podcast, basically. Uh, I know we talked about him even early last year as a, you know, what type of player could the Bucks target in the trade market last year? He was uh, a restricted free agent now, so at the time he was an impending restricted free agent. And, you know, sort of, uh, you know, we've been talking about different ways the Bucks could sort of fill the Malcolm Brogdon shaped hole in the in the in the rotation um, since Brogdon really left, and you know Bogdanovich was a guy who was interesting in that he obviously is not you know a superstar type guy that is going to be impossible to get, um, but it is a guy who obviously is a, a quality player, shooter, uh, playmaker, and dare I say has uh, you know he's he's a really um, experienced international player as well. I mean. You know, he's only been in the NBA three years, but I mean, he's 28 for better or worse. He's basically a year younger than, than Chris Middleton. Both Bogdanovich and Buddy Heald are both basically one year younger exactly <laughs> than Chris Middleton, more or less. So they're both 28. Um, so maybe not as young as, you know, a lot of people might think those guys are. But um, yeah, I mean, Bogdanovich is a guy who I've obviously um, had a, 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 an appreciation for for quite some time. And, um, you know, I think, <laughs> again, certainly, you know, if you have, Bogdanovich in in games, uh, you know, late in playoff games. Obviously, there's you know he is not in obviously in Eric Bledsoe's class defensively by any stretch, but obviously from a playmaking standpoint, shooting standpoint, uh, and just you know, is he not going to wilt under pressure? I think you know we've seen him um, obviously not really with the Kings because he hasn't had that chance, but certainly the international stage um, has been a, a a guy that that has you know been I think ready for moments and. You know, even in the NBA, like he's not a guy who's afraid to take big shots. So, uh, so yeah, I think he's a really interesting player. Uh, and you know, not coincidentally, uh, coincidentally, there's there seems to be some some relationship he has with Giannis. I know Giannis and Thanasis went on uh, and did like a Q and A with him on I think it was Instagram Lives um, uh, last season. I think it was. Um, so I, I don't know the full kind of background of sort of that that friendship relationship, whatever. But 
um, you know, is it a coincidence that the Bucks would be would would float out an interest in Bogdanovich, knowing that there is some something there, some some affinity between him and Giannis? Probably, probably not, right? So I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, what exactly would the Bucks be willing to do? How far would the Bucks actually be willing to go to get a Bogdan Bogdanovich? Eh, I'm I'm not I'm not sure that they'd be willing to go to the ends of the earth maybe to to, to land him, um, but uh, you know certainly a guy that I I would find interesting and you know I, I would take it as a generally a positive that 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 rumor sort of was floated out there. Um, so mechanically, obviously, you know, with at most the mid level exception, you know, maybe ten million bucks if the cap goes up a little bit if it's sort of negotiated to a slightly higher point like it was expected to this year. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm sure obviously as, as you guys discussed, you know, the Kings, I think would very quickly match a $10 million a year offer sheet. So, um, the only way you could really get them would be a sign and trade. And then obviously a question as well, how much are you willing to give up for the, you know, right to, uh, to, to sign a, a guy of Bogdanovich's caliber? Cause obviously you don't want to pay him, you know, $20 million a year. Right. Um, I think last year. Last year, I feel like I, I I was always I sort of thought of him as like maybe you know is he a fifteen million dollar a year type player that probably felt more right to me. But again, now especially with the uncertainty around the cap and just generally, obviously teams may be a little bit more conservative in their spending given the losses that a lot of teams are going to be taking. Um, that's obviously kind of a big question: is is what he'd be worth? I don't know what 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 would you? I mean, you obviously were discussed it last week, but anything kind of you'd want to add as far as your perception of Bogdanovich and his availability or or his market value? No, I mean, I think the thing that I've always felt, particularly with a number of players on the Kings, and I've spoke about the Phoenix Suns in this way in the past, not so much now, but going back a couple of years ago and the Knicks, I just think that there are these teams that there are players that I think in the right environment could really thrive. And Bogdanovich has always been a player to me, as you pointed to, Frank, experienced on the international level. So he, he's more than just a, a player that's come to the Kings, a, a pretty bad organization and, and hasn't won a lot. Uh, this guy has got experience um, playing overseas, so I'm not too concerned there. And I do think he would be a guy that, that would thrive if you were asking him to be your third option behind Giannis and Chris. Clearly, he provides a, a you know, not, not elite Ball handling, you know, if the, if the Bucks are going to acquire someone, I still would prefer it to be a point guard. I know we spoke a lot about Drew Holiday, Chris Paul, guys that can can really break down defenses. But Bogdanovich still obviously a threat on the outside to the level that the Bucks really haven't had uh, alongside those other two guys, uh, depending on where you put Bogdanovich in the in the Brogdon discussion. Brogdon, Brogdanovich. But uh, one question I did get over the weekend, and this has all come about because... Basically, if you're looking at these two guys, Buddy Heald, you would have to trade for him. He signed the, the big contract extension already. And what I spoke about with Matt George is we sort of just quickly went into it. But he said from a Kings perspective, the Bucks, you know, it's a little bit difficult. Do they really have a package that would be able to beat out a team like Philadelphia who's expected uh, to show some interest there? Maybe not. Let me jump in now to talk about Roman for a minute because it can be awkward or embarrassing to talk about erectile dysfunction. Usually we brush it off or blame ourselves, but Roman is here to get you the advice you want and the help you need with no shame. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. 
Just go to getroman.com slash locked on to get up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two day shipping. That's getroman.com slash locked on for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. Getroman.com slash locked on. The Kings are probably only, they're going to keep one of these guys. So that's the other important thing to note here. They're probably going to keep one of those guys. But as you pointed to, the only way you could really acquire the, uh, Bogdanovich if you're the Bucks is through a sign and trade. So Andrew Barnes, uh, at Andrew Barnes on Twitter. The A is a four though, so keep that in mind. Giannis is upon us. Uh, some Bucks fans will probably know this account. Uh, he DM'd me on the weekend just asking about the mechanics of a sign and trade. Uh, how does this process work? So, Frank, I mean, obviously, you're the guy that I lean on uh, when these types of questions come about to make sure I don't make any mistakes. So, sign and trade. Talk us through how this works. Yeah, so um, this this could have been extremely difficult if the Kings were definitely going to be over the cap. Um, Based on the cap sheet they have, it seems like there's a good chance they're going to be – they would be under the cap at the time that they would make a move like this. And, again – uh, if the cap is, you know, swings five to ten million dollars higher or lower than kind of you know this year, um, I don't. Again, I don't think the cap is. Gonna, I honestly don't really think the cap is going to go down this year. Um, I, I, you know, there there was a, there was some. I don't know if you saw it. There's somebody quote quoted something, you know, some article where it was like, oh well, you know, if the cap went down, according to you know the economics of the league expects this year, it could be you know twenty five out of thirty teams could be in the luxury tax and the you know, the, the Warriors tax bill could be $160 million. It's like, guys, you really think the league's owners are going to like vote to put all of themselves in the luxury tax and, you know, five teams would get, you know, just a massive, massive windfall because, you know, they would get all the money from the luxury tax fans. Like that doesn't pass the smell test. Like there's no way the league would, would, would vote to do, the you know, owners would vote to do that collectively to themselves. It makes zero sense. Right. So uh, that's why, again, like you've been hearing the talk about the league keeping the uh, cap either at the same level or potentially even, you know, the, I think the thing we heard recently was a potentially being, you know, at, at where it was expected to be, which was at 115 million for the cap. Um, and obviously those, those numbers, if it's 109, which is what it was at last year, or 115, you know, that extra amount, it was, I think, 132 tax last year, 139, I think, was what it was projected at. So, if, you know, if you swing the tax level $7 million north of where it was, that's a huge deal for a team like Bucks, who obviously are going to be pretty constrained. And it's especially important in a sign-in trade because, um, one, uh, there are extra restrictions in a case like Bogdanovich because he's going to get a more than 20% raise. And when guys get more than 20% raises, the team that sends the salary out only can count him as, as 50% for matching purposes. So for instance, the Bucks, you know, if he signed for $15 million a year, you could trade him straight up using kind of normal rules for Eric Bledsoe, right? He's making about $17 million a year. However, if the Kings were over the tax, and they signed him to $15 million a year, Bogdanovich, only 50% of that would count against the outgoing salary in the trade. So it would count for $7.5 million going out, and they would be getting $17 million coming back in. That doesn't work. Meanwhile, from the Bucks side, you would say, okay, well, then the Kings need to put in more money. Well, from the Bucks side, it, it, it gets treated like the new amount. So $15 million would be what they would be getting in. $17 million would be what they would be shipping out. No problem from a cap perspective. So that's fine from the Bucks side, but obviously if the 
like as I was saying, wouldn't work from the king side if they were over the cap. So it's a very big deal. Every time you talk about sign uh, or sign and trade type situations, look at the team that would be, you know, basically signing the player, whosoever kind of the player belongs to, quote unquote belongs to, right? Um, and look at what their tax situation or cap situation is, because if they're under the cap, it generally is, can be very doable because they can take back more money than they send out. If it's if they're over the cap, it can be extremely difficult to swing something um, that works kind of within the cap parameters. A lot of times you got to have to add a bunch of salary to both sides in order to sort of, you know, basically work within the the uh, kind of grace the grace the grace amount um, as it were, kind of between what's getting shipped out in and out. So. Long story short, it, it's certainly doable. Um, you know, I think you would, ass- I mean, I, I, right, any trade involving a guard, you assume you start with Eric Bledsoe, and then the question is, you know, do you have to then add Dante DiVincenzo or the first-round pick that, that's coming in this year or the first-round pick in 2024 or some uh, 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 um, swaps, you know, the right swap rights? Which of course is a little bit funny to think that the king, you know, <laughs> the king, the king's getting swap rights doesn't feel like it would ever be very valuable because it's like are, you, are the king's ever going to be better than anyone and then actually get value out of swapping first round picks with them? Or, I mean, maybe it doesn't seem as likely. But long story short, yes, it's it seems doable. Um, he'll probably be making somewhere in the range of an Eric Bledsoe, I would guess. Um, you might say that that is too much money for a Bogdan Bogdanovich, quite possibly. But I think for the role that he would play on this team, you know, again, especially if you wanted to pay Malcolm Brogdon, you know, 20 plus million a year when he got that offer from Indiana, you know, if you pay Bogdan Bogdanovich less than that um, now, I would say, well, you know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the going rate for a guy who can do the kinds of things that, that Bogdanovich can do. And again, not to say that him and Brogdon are the exact same types of players because they're not, but I think there are a lot of similarities in the types of role that, that Brogdon played for the Bucks. And that Bogdanovich would potentially pay for the Bucks too. And again, obviously, if Bledsoe was going out, then Bogdanovich would be probably in, in a much heavier ball handling role than um, than Brogdon was as a you know starting shooting guard. But either way, you know, I think the obvious question is just where where would you how much do you really want Bogdanovich, and how much you know do would the Kings demand to to keep him or sorry to to move him? Um, and obviously, the healed situation is obviously adds like another layer to this because if Buddy Heald has a good trade market, right? I don't, I don't really know what the the Sixers necessarily give up for Buddy Heald, right? I mean, I don't think the Kings want Tobias. <laughs> they don't want Tobias <laughs> Harris. Um, they obviously, you know, don't want Al, Hor- Al Horford. Uh, and you know, like, are you are you giving up Josh Richardson? I don't think so, right? I would rather much rather have Josh Richardson than, than Buddy Heald. I think probably the Sixers do too, and he's a lot cheaper than than Buddy Heald. So I, I don't really know what the tr- what a trade would look like between those teams. For Buddy Heald, or you know, what kind of Heald's market value would be, but obviously it's pretty relevant because if you're having to pick between those two guys, then clearly, you know, if you're the Bucks, you obviously would rather not, um, you know, if if they're willing to move Heald and they can get a good value for Heald, then they're going to be much more interested in keeping Bogdanovich. So, so yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I I think it obviously becomes hard to justify sending out multiple assets along with Bledsoe. Uh, you know, if it's like. DiVincenzo, a first round pick and Eric Bledsoe, then it's like, you know, can I not get a better player than yeah. Bogdanovich, right? That's when you start saying, well, you know, man, how, how much did they talk to David Griffin in, in New Orleans, right, about a, a Drew Holiday deal, right? Because I think, you know, we'd, we'd all much rather prefer Drew Holiday, right? Or obviously the, the Chris Paul question is going to come up, but 
Um, but anyway, so, so yeah, I, I think, you know, to me, it's like, yeah, if you give up one asset, okay. But I mean, even, you know, even whether it's Dante or this year's first round pick or the future's first round pick, I mean, even that plus blood. So, I mean, that's a, that's a lot. To, I mean, it's, it's not a trivial thing to give up for, 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 uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, especially given that DiVincenzo was a really good six man. And I, I don't even know. I mean, does Bogdan Bogdanovich start for you if you trade him for Eric Bledsoe, if that's like the principles and the deal? Or is, does he come off the bench? I mean, I'm, again, I'm assuming Wes Matthews is still around. Or does he come off the bench and just play? And he's like a closer type guy and you start George Hill? I, I don't know, right? I mean, there's, there's a number of different ways that you might do that. And obviously, you don't have to trade Bledsoe for him either, right? You could do kind of some different things, but certainly my my assumption is always that you know you're you're doing something around Eric Bledsoe in order to match salaries given kind of everything that's happened the last couple of years so yeah I, I don't know I mean these are all the kinds of things that you know the bucks are gonna have to make some trade-offs around anyway but one thing I'll one thing I will um call out that I think people should just don't kind of have in the back of their mind is they think two sort of trade options right so we know we know the NBA draft is November 18th that's pretty much the only thing we know about this offseason I think um one general rule, and we know that free agency is going to be after that, right? It's going to be sometime after that is, is our assumption, right? Because that's always how the NBA works. We know the NFL does it differently. Once you, once you make a pick, that pick suddenly becomes a lot less valuable, right? Because generally, if teams are trading for a draft pick, they want to be able to make, make the pick themselves, right? So if you trade it, you make a pick, yeah, yeah, okay. Hopefully you made a good pick and you got good value and other teams would would still trade for the rights to that player, which you can certainly trade the rights for a player. But it becomes a lot less likely that you're going to trade a, a, a first-round pick after you've already picked the person that you wanted and that the other team didn't have a say in picking, right? And when you think about just, like, the timing of all this, like, you know, you're <laughs> – you can't negotiate a complex sign and trade agreement before the draft for Bogdan Bogdanovich. That's just not, that's not how the order of operations work. Right. So if you're going to trade for him, it's going to be after the draft. So this year's draft pick probably doesn't get included. So then you're talking about, you know, Dante or the 2024 pick or some pick swap, something like that. Right. Um, And in general, I would say that if the bucks are going to make a big move, I would have to think there's a, it's most likely going to be, by draft night that they make that big move because not only do you have this year's first round pick that obviously would be a trade ship that you would consider moving. But on top of that, you have Ursan's non-guaranteed salary, which, you know, again, if you guarantee, you can guarantee that salary now and, you know, trade it and have it count for $7 million to kind of match salaries and things like that. If you don't guarantee that salary, I mean, you can trade him, but, only the guaranteed piece is actually going to count for trade purposes. So basically he's not worth it. He doesn't serve any purpose in a trade at this point, unless you guarantee it. And <laughs> given the Bucks cap, cap situation, there's no way I'd want to guarantee Ursan's salary unless I knew what I was going to do with him. Cause I certainly don't want to pay him $7 million next year, given all the other, you know, restrictions the Bucks have given their kind of cap situation. So between the pick and the fact that they don't have a, you know, they can't trade next year's pick, you know, they, they, they have all these restrictions around their picks the next few years. Um, and so given that, that situation, that limitation, as well as sort of the Urson guaranteeing situation, I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, there's a lot of like intrinsic pressure on the Bucks to make a deal by draft night. Again, it doesn't mean they have to, 
Um, but I think, you know, if you're going to look and trying to think through the off season, like when might something happen? Um, it's always easier if you can wait till after the draft, ideally, you know, and kind of see how things fall out. But again, there's a reason why a lot of, you know, trades happen on draft night or by draft night. And I think certainly for the Bucks, that's something that given the situation they're in, it would seem like that would be an obvious time for, for them to make a move. So anyway, I just kind of droned on there for a while as usual, uh, Kane. So I don't know if you have thoughts on what, what Bogdanovich is really worth, where, you know, what his price tag should be, or, you know, what your expectation is as far as timing and, and kind of when things might happen. But um, again, I think it's, there's a lot of moving parts here. And, um, you know, I think, again, just saying that they're interested yeah, that yeah, that's nice, but I would say my expectation, yeah, my expectation of Bogdan Bogdanovich and where he'll be next year, I think there's still, to me, only a very small chance that he's going to be in Milwaukee, even though I think probably that there's some legitimacy behind the interest. Well, Frank, it's Sunday night for you, Monday afternoon for me, but the one thing that we both have in common here is that uh, we're lacking a little energy. At the end of the weekend, start of the week, you're always a little bit flat. So let's talk about the best tasting protein bar ever, and that is Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar is back. 18 amazing flavors. You guys know the six new flavors they have include caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and the 12 originals, including toffee, almond, coconut, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel. The list goes on and on. The bars, 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. That's the good thing. They're healthy for you. You can do it before exercise, after exercise, before work, Whenever you really need a snack, they're good for you. They're, lo- they're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for those that are on the Kato diet. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code locked on, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code locked on for 20% off at builtbar.com. As far as Sacramento goes, whether it is healed or Bogdanovich, there's no doubt that the Bucks would probably have interest in both guys if they are looking to upgrade at the guard spot. But one of the things that you know didn't actually really surprise me, and I will say, and I've said this before, but I think Bledsoe and the value of Bledsoe, I think that they're, you know, certainly within probably Bucks fan circles, there's become a bit of a feeling that you would need to attach major stuff to to get rid of him. I don't necessarily think that's the case. I still think Bledsoe would be valued in certain situations around the league, but I'm just not sure that Sacramento is going to be one of those because when you consider the situation that they have these two guards, I was almost about to say young guards. They're not young, but they have these two guards, uh, Heald and Bogdanovich. They're probably going to keep one of them. The other one, they're not. And when we brought up potential trades, uh, Matt George was just like, he didn't even, he said, well, we're not taking Bledsoe. That doesn't make any sense for Sacramento. We already have De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I don't think that if there was a sign in trade, we'd be trading out Bogdanovich for... Uh, Bledsoe because Bogdanovich actually makes more sense to keep for playing next to De'Aaron Fox. So uh, I think yeah. that's why the Sacramento situation is really difficult. And I think the important... And I don't think George Hill is going back <laughs> Yeah, to Sacramento. <laughs> that's a, 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 I, I think that's a safe bet. And the other point you made that, that I liked was that uh, I, if the Bucks are making big moves this offseason, which I think we all think they probably should or they probably need to for a number of reasons. Obviously, yes, we the deficiencies of the the current roster structure have been shown up two years in a row in the postseason. Uh, also, there's the uh, urgency with the Yana situation. There's no doubt about that. But I, I'm just not sure whether I would look at the acquisition of Buddy Hield, who is a question mark, 
in in a number of areas. And then Bogdanovich, as you sort of said, well, is he is he a needle mover? Does he make you significantly better when you lose a guy like Eric Bledsoe, who ha- has won you a lot of games? Yes, during the regular season, but has still been a very valuable contributor to the team. So I'm not sure whether those the Kings guys, even though I like both players a lot, I'm not sure with what the trade or the deal would have to be, whether you would guarantee that you actually make the team better next year. And I think that's a scary move uh, to to walk into if you're the Bucks. I still have that any any sac- any move with Sacramento significantly behind uh, the Pelicans with Drew Holiday and even Chris Paul uh, with Oklahoma City. So. Hey, can, can, I, can I ask, add one more thing, which I should have mentioned too? One, one more mechanical aspect of the of a, of a sign and trade. Um, if you are, if you, if a team completes a sign and trade, which obviously you know, as, as we pointed out, would would have to happen in order to to get Bogdanovich, um, you they would be hard capped. Which you know, again, when Matthew Delvadova was technically signed and traded, you know, what was that four or five years ago? <laughs> now uh, they were technically hard capped at the time when they signed Ursan two years ago. Um, they technically were hard capped because they paid more than the tax for a mid-level exception at the time. Uh, in many cases, that doesn't really matter because you don't really have a means of getting to the, the actual hard cap level. And the hard cap level is not actually the tax. It's actually what's called the apron, which is typically has been around $6 million over the tax level. So this year it was about $139 million. Um, you know, again, if it was roughly a similar you know, bump up next year. Again, if you had um, the same tax and cap, you'd again, probably be about 139. If you had uh, the projected tax and cap from that was supposed to originally be this year, 115 and 139, then again, put it like 145 or something like that. Um, but it, hard capping yourself actually is, is, is potentially a pretty significant thing for the bucks. Um, now they don't have any, obviously any like big name, uh, free agents themselves that they need to go and, and use bird rights on to resign. Right. I mean, you know, again, with apologies to Pat Connaughton, there, there's not guys in, in kind of that category. They could give a small raise to Wes Matthews um, with kind of non bird rights, but there's not like, you know, it, it's not like uh, when Jabari was a free agent, there was that talk of like, okay, are you going to try to give him a, a bigger contract or something like that? So, um, so anyway, so just kind of keep that in mind too. That's not a trivial aspect of a sign trade, like the fact that you'd be hard capping yourself. Um, but, but again, it's, it's kind of just another factor there that, that could play a, a role in the season, especially if the cap does not go up or if it was like slightly down then hard capping yourself in the buck situation would actually be a pretty significant thing. No question. And as you sort of said, the Bucks have been in that situation a couple of times in the past and they certainly work in the fringes. So we'll see what happens. But what about an old friend of yours? Uh, you are the leader of the Woodlands. Uh, he is going to get paid. Christian Wood, of course, I'm talking about. He's going to get paid some amount of money this offseason. It is kind of funny to think about Christian Wood and and I, I don't know where you lie on his value around the league, what you think he's going to get paid if Detroit will just... Uh, pony up the dollars and give him a a decent contract. But Christian Wood is an interesting case because I, I know there are some Bucks fans out there that still lament the fact that uh, the Bucks moved on from him. And then to a lesser extent, Dragon Bender, obviously this season. And, and ultimately, both guys could not get any floor time, obviously because of Brooke Lopez. But even Thon Maker was ahead of Christian Wood uh, before he was traded as well. So Christian Wood clearly has gone on, played some good games with the Pelicans, obviously had a pretty good season with Detroit last year. I remember writing something about Christian Wood. This is going back after his, his summer league, and I said it would make some sense for the Bucks to keep Christian Wood at the back end of the roster because at some point 
there's probably going to be a need for him to be able to play. And with the way the game is trending, a guy that can run the floor, particularly next to Giannis, block shots, shoot the three a little bit. He's probably going to be a guy that finds a way to have some value around the league if he can stick. I think he's certainly done that. I think he's going to get paid. Where do you see the value for, for Christian Wood? And obviously, as we watch this season pan out and Robin Lopez really becoming unplayable in the postseason, is there still some regret there that Christian Wood could have been, could have been still sitting there on the back end of the Bucks roster, probably largely untapped compared to what we've seen in Detroit? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the challenge obviously for him was always, you know, he, he, you know he, he's one of the first guys who I think uh, openly modeled his game after Giannis and then coming to Milwaukee, it became even more obvious that he did that right. And uh, to the point that Giannis obviously referring to Christian as his son, (laughs) (laughs) they had, they had a uh, amusing and at times got a little frisky uh, matchup against one another in Detroit last year, later in the the, the pre bubble uh, part of the season. Um, Yeah. I mean, he's, he's such an interesting player because I mean, his, uh, you know, the, the per minute numbers, the efficiency numbers um, were, I mean, to be honest, pretty off the charts for him last year. Uh, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, to kind of pick him apart too much. And this has always been kind of the case. It's, it's kind of hard to, to like, you know, last year find numbers that say that, oh, he's just, he's just a hollow stats guy or, you know, he's just really not that good. I mean, you know, his RPM, he was third among power forwards in RPM. <laughs> he's plus 3.53. Giannis was first at, at plus 10.3, which is the best in the league. And then it was Jason Tatum at 3.87. You can argue he's not really a four or more of a three, but then Wood at 3.53 ahead of Chris Epps, Porzingis, and Pascal Siakam. So, um, you know, there's a lot of data to suggest that he was a legitimately good, you know, and, and certainly, again, the, the permanent production numbers were were terrific. Uh, you know, he only started, I think, uh, 12 games, but averaged 22 points, nine rebounds, um, shooting 56% from the floor, 41% from three, 65% true shooting, uh, and you know, his body of work overall in the season, um, I mean, the guy was just really, really productive. And so it, it's funny, right? I mean, again, in Milwaukee, would he ever have gotten to the point of being this productive? Probably not. Right. Just because you've got Giannis playing, you know, that role, um, 30 plus minutes a night, maybe barely 30 plus, right. Just given how much he's rested. Um, so what would his role, you know, have been, could, you know, could he have been deployed as like, you know, I think ideally probably like a, a second unit center is probably what his you know, kind of ideal uh, use would be. And, you know, again, you have to give him a lot of credit because he's stretched out his, his shooting, um, you know, and not that he's a, a, you know, a prolific three point shooter, but um, you know, again, he averaged over two threes a game and, and obviously not, a ton of minutes, 20 minutes a game. He averaged over two threes a game and, you know, hit a, hit a good clip of, of those threes, 39%. Um, he certainly developed into a better shooter than, than Giannis, sadly, <laughs> 74% from the line and 39% from three. Um, and, you know, he just is a guy that fills up the box score. So, you know, you can argue like there, there's, there would have been no place that made less sense for him than Milwaukee, just because again, like, he had, he's got that kind of poor man's Giannis game and, you know, putting him on a team with Giannis just wouldn't have made a whole lot of sense or, you know, he never could have really sort of, I think, reached kind of his full potential playing behind Giannis. But of course, I mean, you know, we, all we talk about is how, you know, when we're talking about trades and things like that is how the Bucks lack, you know, those young assets. And so the fact that you had a guy like this who now, I mean, we can talk about what he might get paid, but 
clearly he's a productive player. And, you know, I mean, we, I, I kind of reference it during the playoffs, right. Watching, you know, some of the guys that the Raptors have found, um, you know, in, in free agency and late in the draft, things like that, and kind of turn them into useful rotation pieces. Um, the Bucks obviously have really struggled to, to find young players and develop them into those types of roles. Right. I mean, you've got pretty much Dante and kind of that's, that's it at this point. Right. Obviously with Sterling, not, not really being on track to, you know, be a kind of a long-term piece. So yeah, I mean, it, it stinks, right. That you didn't find a way, especially given that he sort of survived the, you know, he kind of survived for quite a while last year in Milwaukee. And then, you know, really only when the Gasol signing, which of course was pointless, you know, when would have been pointless, even if he had stayed healthy, happened that was you know they, they had been able to keep him up to that point but of course the irony is i mean new orleans was going nowhere at the time and they cut him loose <laughs> yeah. so and, and he had some you know again he popped at times there too so I, I think again like there's i think there's still intangible stuff with him that you know again i think he's been a guy that organizations have not loved from a personality standpoint or a focus standpoint i think you know again that's one area that certainly he's not Giannis. i think I'm sure he's, it seems like he's improved and his attitude has improved. Um, and obviously it's kind of paid off on the court, but um, you know, again, I, I, you know, he, he's a really interesting player, especially cause he is still, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. He's 24 years old. Like, you know, that's pretty rare for a guy that you might actually want on your team. And so I'm very curious, you know, is there a team out there that, you know, isn't really going anywhere that says like, screw it. You know, we need, we need some young talent to hang our hat on let's throw him some money. Right. And obviously the question is, you know, what does Detroit do in that situation? How, how aggressively do they try to keep them? You know, they just got rid of Andre Drummond. Blake Griffin is, you know, making what $35 million next year, but how much is he even going to play? I don't know. Right. Um, he's not a great fit with Christian Wood either. Right. Just given kind of the way those two guys play, neither of them is like a, obviously a great defender. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's, it's unfortunate. Obviously the Bucks had a talented guy, and they couldn't figure out how to use them and make the most of them. And they gave them away for nothing, um, especially given where they are. But, um, you know, I'm also, I would say I'm happy for Christian Wood that he found a place where he could play, right? It took a while, but found a place he could play. And, um, you know, again, it's unfortunate for the Bucks, but probably even more so from an asset standpoint than necessarily from, you know, the kind of role they would have on the court, right? I don't know that, you know, again, he ever would have had the role that, that he probably would have wanted in Milwaukee. So, um, yeah. Shout out to Christian Wood. Remember the Woodlands. Happy for the guy. Uh, you know, he's been sort of, I mean, it's, he's, it's funny, right? I mean, he's been kind of productive, whether we, you know, we saw it, you know, he was really good in, in summer league. He was, you know, they got to get the contract and he was really good in preseason. They said, all right, we'll keep you. Then, you know, he was really productive when he played <laughs> and just didn't play much. And that's sort of been his story wherever he's gone here these last couple of years is, you know, he's, he's always sort of like people are like, eh, but yeah, he's, yeah, he's not. Come on, he's not like you know an NBA starter or something. Well, I mean, he keeps putting up numbers, and obviously, you know, if he can do that for a winning team, that's obviously the big question right now. And you know, maybe he ends up just being kind of one of those good stats, bad teams type guys. But um, you know, a lot, <laughs> you know, I don't want to diminish that either, right? Because that a lot of those guys could probably be like pretty good stats and limited roles on good teams too, right? Which ultimately would have been probably his, his upside in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think more than anything, as you sort of pointed to, it is no doubt the uh, the the waste of, of an asset. I think you know again, if you're talking about, uh, I've always believed that players like that. I mean, Christian Wood. I mean, he's clearly proven that he's an NBA player, but on a on a really good team where you have a guy like that, that as you sort of pointed to, continues to produce. If he doesn't get his opportunity, I think that they hold some value. 
I, I think those guys hold some value. And, and that's why, you know, I was probably disappointed to see uh, the Bucks again not really get anything out of that. And then down the road, again, it's like we're, we're, we're scrapping. We're like, well, what do they have to trade? Pick 24? Okay, you know, what value does that have? Not really sure. Uh, DJ Wilson, uh, I don't think that the, you could really trade him too easily right now either. So that's why it's become difficult for the Bucks. But uh, I would agree for the most part, he was a guy... Um, that was competitive and, and Giannis liked him for that reason. So it's good. It's good to see him you know, probably about to get a, a decent payday because it is unbelievable to think that he's only 24. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, again, it's just a rare situation to get unrestricted guys at that age. Um, and and so I, I don't know, right? I mean, I was looking at like the Knicks or Hornets, right? Like, like yeah. those two teams, what are they doing, right? Like what, what's, what's their long-term future, right? If If they had a guy at 24 who was actually – um, you know, had the potential to be a guy that I, I mean, we, we've seen it. He, he could be a twenty point per night score on on a high efficiency. Um, and, and again, we can say, well, he's not a, a great defender or whatever you whatever you want. But I mean, you know, if that's the argument that he's uh, you know a high volume efficient scorer, but he doesn't play good enough defense. I mean, that's still that's still a lot better than I'd say what the what the Knicks, Hornets, and Pistons have. Otherwise, right? They don't they don't have a lot going for them. Otherwise, uh, especially when it comes to to young players, right? Um, so, and I, I think it also sort of just speaks to as well, like the kind of bias that comes from guys who you know aren't picked. And I think there were some. I mean, again, like I'm not saying like there was no reason why Christian Wood wasn't picked. I mean, the guy couldn't stick for you know years and years with teams, right? He'd go someplace. And eventually get let go, and I think obviously a lot of that I think was just concerns about coachability and things like that. But um, you know, again, this is um, to, to to really kind of you know be great at building rosters, right? Like the, he's the kind of guy like the Heat have gotten, right? Like the, he's kind of a, that guy who just sort of falls through the cracks, and you know, like I think there's some similar. I mean, they're very he's he's a different player than than uh, Hassan Whiteside for sure. Um, but I do see some similarities in terms of a guy who had really high potential. Now, Whiteside was drafted um, in the second round, but guys who just sort of like, you know, never, never lived up to their early career potential because, you know, again, what was kind of more between the ears and then, you know, eventually got an opportunity and kind of figured enough out to, to be productive. Now I think Whiteside, you know, I'm, I'm damning with faint praise comparing my guy Christian Wood was on white side, but it's really rare for a guy to get released a guy with this talent level to bounce around as much as he has. Um, and then finally kind of figure it out. So I'm, I'm rooting for him. I hope it's legitimate and everything, but um, you know, nothing would, would shock me at this point. All right, let's call it there. Uh, there was obviously, I mean, I could, I could keep going here. There's, there is plenty to talk about. It feels like the off season is in full swing. I'm glad you brought up the Ursan stuff because you know, originally, I think we would have been at that guarantee date or right there if the if the draft was on the 18th of October normally. So obviously, a bit of time there. But I, I do, in general, agree with you that if the Bucks are going to do something, we might see some movement here in the next few weeks. So it's going to be interesting. I wanted to talk about the Rockets and James Harden as well. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. Frank, it was good to catch up with you again. Yeah, and I think uh, to kind of tie up the um, the Ursan situation, so he he's, his guarantee date was supposed to be two days after the 2020 NBA draft, which originally was going to be June 27th. It was his guaranteed date. June, June 25th was the original date of the draft. So again, my assumption is that they're going, again, not, not knowing what exactly is going to happen with free agency. My assumption is that free agency will start 
a week or two after the draft, I guess. Um, and that, you know, some of those guarantee dates will just be kind of adjusted to be relative to like, for instance, the draft to sort of be kept similar. Um, but, but I don't know. Right. I mean, you know, again, his guarantee date, um, was two days after the draft, but basically, you know, call it four days before free agency would have started. So you could also say, well, you know, make it four days before free agency. Right. So there, there's just so much still to be kind of figured out with, uh, with how free agency is going to work. And, uh, but I, I would say this is a situation like this though is interesting because it, you know, he's the kind of guy that, well, you know, I, I usually don't make a, you don't think a lot about like, well, what if the, the NBA flipped their free agency and draft like the NFL does? Um, but this is a situation where actually it actually would be pretty helpful, right? Because um, you could actually kind of figure out maybe your free agency situation and potentially do like signs and sign and trade type things more easily. And then, you know, and you could involve like your, your draft pick from that year before it's made, <laughs> not, not have to figure out what you're going to do before free agency with, with your draft pick. But anyway, that's it. That's all I've got. No, it's comprehensive. You always, uh, every time we talk about the CBA stuff, I always pick up and, and remember little things that always slip my mind. So that's why I, I don't even try to dive into that. Anytime I get a question regarding that, you are, I wait until you are available to touch on that. And I will say, I did tweet the other day that uh, just asking everyone for their perfect, uh, realistic, I put in realistic, perfect off seasons for the Bucks. A lot of the same players. So uh, appreciate everyone getting back to me there and, and telling me, the type of players that they're targeting, I'm going to go through a fair few of those at some point, probably later this week, depending on the news that comes through. But Frank, like I said, it's good to catch up with you. Appreciate everyone jumping back on board and listening for the start of another week. Remember, you can tweet at LockedOnBucks or LockedOnBucks at gmail.com. We will be back tomorrow. Stay safe. Speak to you guys then.